Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to answer a question that is fundamental. How do we recognize God's voice? This is such a critical question for life. A couple of years ago, I had experienced some medical concerns that required an MRI of my upper body. So I made the appointment. I went by myself. They got me all fixed up. I was, I've never done this before. I was handed a set of headphones. They turned it down super low. So I don't even know why they gave me the headphones and the music. I couldn't hear it. Then they laid me on my back on this conveyor belt that slid me backwards inside the big machine and I disappeared and my legs were just sticking out. What this felt like to me, because I've never done it before, was being shoved into a casket, then set off a war zone inside this death trap. The sounds were terrifyingly loud. They were booming and very surprising. I was not expecting it at all. I'm not sure what the headphones were supposed to do. They were not noise canceling and they were not soothing. I could hear nothing above what sounded like bullets going off and cannons shooting around my entire body. Suddenly I was scared to death. I I didn't even know what to expect and I couldn't get out. So for the first time in my life, I was frightened to the degree I nearly couldn't move. And I know it was strange. I know it doesn't sound normal or natural, But that's what happened. So when the calm ladies outside my casket asked if I was okay, I felt kind of stupid and said, uh, but I had to do this because it was a medical issue or they were just going to start over. They'd already told me that they were going to have to start over. So I said, I'm fine. My whole body began to shake. Even though I tried to control it, I could not. I just kept shaking, which caused them to keep me locked down longer and longer. I was crying. I couldn't hardly breathe, and there was no one there to help me. My husband had said it was super easy and it would probably lull me to sleep. That was not the case. Instead, I cried all the way out of there. After I finally got done, the study was a complete waste. I could hardly catch my breath. I was humiliated. And now, I had a migraine that was so awful I couldn't see straight, and I was all alone. They just stared at me and whispered about me. It was dreadful. What I needed was help, and no one could help me. And I wondered, how many have been in a place where you needed help? I mean, real help, not like that, but real help. Advice, guidance, answers, just to know someone cared that you weren't alone, that you matter, a place where you need to hear the voice of God in your life. Can that even be possible? Does he care enough to do that? Will he help you in your situation? When you need him, will you be able to discern his voice from all the other noise that's going on around you? I can't imagine a much more fundamental question than, how do I recognize God's voice? Before we can work towards answering this question, we need to address the elephant in the room. Does God still speak? We have records that he spoke to the prophets of the Old Testament, such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, and some of the judges like Samuel, Gideon and Deborah, 
the writers of Hebrews sort of confirms this in the first verse at the opening of the book, where it's written long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. What about now? There are accounts, especially from parts of the world where Christianity is less evident and the Bible is absent, that God does still literally speak. Find a missionary and prepare to hear incredible personal experiences. You and I may have a little history of our own with people we know who need to tell us what God said to them about you or about me or about someone else. We probably should approach these interactions with caution. Test it with scripture because God's word will be consistent. This is the next verse in Hebrews 1 that gives us a greater picture of how God speaks to us post-resurrection of Jesus. It says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. How does Jesus speak to us? Well, we can find out in the opening verses of the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's sort of confusing, but it does make the point. And then if we add verse 14, And the Word, which is capitalized, meaning Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Today, we don't have Jesus dwelling among us, do we? Is God finished taking a back seat, leaving us on our own until he sends Jesus back for us? Well, no. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The Bible assures us of that. Jesus tells us before he returns to the Father with his own words in Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That's verse 35. And then in Matthew 5, we learn, for I tell you truly, until heaven and earth pass away, not a single jot, not a stroke of a pen will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And that's verse 18. Well, how do you and I recognize that it's God's voice and not our own or someone else's or even a satanic infiltration? Well, number one, primarily God speaks today through scripture. We find Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then in Colossians 3.16, we have let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And if that's not enough, I have one more set, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, which is through scripture, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, you can't just have a situation and come to your Bible willy-nilly, open it up to Scripture, blindly point to one, expecting God to give direction and answer your questions and help you with your dilemmas and your situations. It just doesn't work that way. God has devised a much better way. He doesn't want anyone experiencing life like my isolated, terrifying MRI disaster. The second thing we've got to understand and remember is 
is that God is in a relationship. He is committed to relationship with his children, which is made possible through his son. This is John 10, the first few verses. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And this is Jesus talking. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So, this is verse 7, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What we understand about God and his son is going to come out of the truth of the Bible. And what that truth assures us of is God's total commitment to relationship with his sheep. The expectation then is that we will know him well enough through this relationship to recognize him, his workings, his vision, his instructions, his quote, voice, and be able to separate this from everything else clamoring for our attention. Well, how does this happen? (laughs) Well, you must be a sheep. (laughs) What this also assures us of is that if you are a sheep, you can hear his voice. John 10, 27, later on in that chapter says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You must be a sheep. And sheep recognize and know the shepherd. It's all about relationship. Let's say you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, I want to be a sheep. I really want to be a sheep. That's a matter of asking Jesus to forgive your sins, trust him as your savior, turn from your sins, and commit to follow him with your life. For that, you get justification. You get eternal life. You get all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm and an ever-present help. Or maybe you are already a sheep. You are all in in relationship with Jesus. This is your reality. But it seems the volume is turned down, like my redundant headphones in my MRI situation. And the noise level outside is really high. Sheep follow. That's what Jesus says. How can you and I recognize his voice more clearly, more readily, and more often in our lives? First and foremost, We must remember the Bible is the primary means through which God speaks today. And the second very important element to hold steady as you and I seek to better hear from God is that it's all about relationship. Everything we learn about hearing God's voice will stem from these two essentials. Becoming more adept at recognizing God's voice feels sort of far-fetched, doesn't it? Like it might be possible for her or for that guy over there, but not you and certainly not me. That's when we need to be so very thankful we're relying on the Bible for direction and truth and not ourselves because we can talk ourselves into all sorts of garbage. If you were to conduct a Google search for something like, how can I hear God's voice or something like that? And you focused on seasoned Bible teachers and seasoned preachers who adhere closely to the word of God and they don't stray off of something else. You would come to a consensus rather quickly. There are discrepancies, 
that you might find in your search, but we also find a lot of agreement in this area. So I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list because you too can Google and you too can read. I need something helpful that I can use in my everyday life. And I want to be sure I'm listening to God and not my own harebrained notions or floating off on a tangent someone else planted in my heart, in my mind. So how do I do that? How do you do that? First of all, I'm going to make time for listening. You need to make time for listening. This is what the message says in Proverbs 3. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. That makes a lot of sense to me. I have found the more I strategically put myself in places where he has the opportunity to speak, he speaks more frequently and or I hear better. I can't hear if I'm not listening. (laughs) That's just the simple truth in my life. Another thing that I find is that I walk in obedience. And when I walk in obedience, because I'm in relationship, I do it because I respond to who he is and what he's done for me. That's why I want to walk in obedience. This is where the desire for obedience originates. This is John 14, 23. It just lines up with scripture. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And then in 1 John 5, 3, it says, For this is love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. That's the point here. I walk in obedience. I want to be obedient and learn what it means for me, which includes putting off the old self, which we learn in the New Testament, renewing my mind and reaching toward who He's making me to become. And you can do the same. It's all because of the relationship. That's what I want him to tell me about. So I walk in obedience. I do not try to walk in perfection, but in pursuit of who is calling me to be as a child of God. Therefore, I'm going to ask. If I want to hear from God, I'm going to ask. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. <laughs> Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, that kind of sums it up for me, doesn't it? But he tells us, draw near to God, and he is going to draw near to you. That is a promise. And then something that's very familiar to us, but we often just stop at the first verse, but the next two are very key. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It is a promise that is cloaked within those verses. And then 33, 3 of Jeremiah says, Call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So you don't have to be smarter or more progressive in your education. This is just a promise from Scripture. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. It's as if you're saying, I really need to hear you on this, Lord. And I'm struggling to discern your voice from the noise. I am in your word and I'm trying to follow you, but I don't know what you're saying in this situation. And what these promises declare is that if you come before him and call to him, he's going to answer you in truth and exactly what you need. The other thing that I think is a part of this is that I have to believe the Holy Spirit is going to do his job. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus is speaking, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. 
And then in Isaiah, Isaiah 30, 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Therefore, because I expect the Holy Spirit's going to do his job, I'm going to have to trust him and refuse to doubt. James 1, 6 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. James assures us that we have to refuse our doubting. If I'm asking that God make himself clear, and then he does in Scripture, even though I might be afraid and all the pieces don't fit nicely together, or I don't know how it's all going to work out, because of the evidence he presents to me, I need to refuse my fear, and I need to refuse my doubt, and choose to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to work in my life. It all works together. Another thing that I can do to hear from God is to seek godly counsel. Proverbs 12, 13 tells us the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. I might ask God to lead me to people who will help me hear his voice clearly, not giving me confusion, but to help me hear his voice clearly, to give me the wisdom to know the difference. Because sometimes that is how he works. He sends you to godly people, those people who've walked with him for years and are in his word doing all the things we're talking about doing. God sort of confirms what he's speaking over you and over me. I also look at circumstances and opportunities, but this is not my first line of what I think God is saying to me. We have biblical precedent for this, however. At one time on one of Paul's journeys, he wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 16, 8, 9. He says, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work is open to me, even though there are many adversaries. We get the impression he wasn't going to stay originally. But because this opportunity came, he prayed about it, he sought the Lord about it, and discerned that he was to stay put. We don't rely on these in and of themselves, these kind of decision-making strategies. We rely on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit because sometimes we make this the tried and true litmus test of how to discern what God is saying. You and I need to use caution because our hearts and our minds can lead us completely astray to our own destruction, which sort of leads me to the next thing. I get confirmation and you can get confirmation, usually through scripture. Or sometimes I believe God has spoken a word over me about something through his word. Maybe I've prayed through it and talked to another believer about it. And the confirmation comes through his word as well as circumstances consistent with his word. It sort of all works together. And then a peace will come. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. His voice will always line up with his word. He will never ask you to sin or to do something that is sinful. Like any other aspect of relationship, it takes time to really hear and know another Oh, it's going to be worth it (laughs) for all of us. We don't need to scramble through the days. You and I don't have to experience loneliness, feeling as if God is not there or he doesn't care. We can hear God's voice in our lives. Absolutely. He still speaks. He wants you to hear what he desires to say to you. May you and I make radical efforts to get into his word, to hear him, and put ourselves in positions to listen ever so closely and to be different, and to live differently. Thanks for listening today. 
and walking through this series of how do I do that. I look forward to being with you next time on the She Yearns Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing our resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.